Welcome everyone to Lessons with Mike, the eighth episode. What an honor and a thrill it is to be here with perhaps the most spectacular guest I have had on the show up to this point. This is a man who is considered by many to be a king amongst peasants. He is a revolutionary, groundbreaking, and polarizing figure in today's society. Please welcome Mr. Jesse. Hi, I'm Jesse. Yep, that was Jesse. Um, today, me and Jesse are going to talk about dinosaurs, and uh, I hope you enjoy our conversation about dinosaurs. It's going to start now. All right, for those of you who don't know, Mr. Jesse over here is, um, we're related. Um, one could say that we were brothers, siblings even. And my first exposure to dinosaurs growing up was with Jesse. I would chase him around the house with dinosaurs and be like, Jesse, look, it's a pterodactyl. Obviously, pterodactyls aren't dinosaurs, but as a kid, I thought they were. Um, Jesse, do you remember any of that? Those early years, your first experience with dinosaurs? Yeah, I do remember some. I remember I had a lot of different dinosaur toys from differing companies. Some were just basic small ones and some were larger figurines and i also remember a lot of times in my imagination where i'd play with a lot of these toys and come up with different scenarios like for example a tyrannosaurus hunting a pack of parasaurs yeah i I love dinosaurs they're so cool and today i love reptiles i love galapagos tortoises i love komodo dragons marine iguanas i love these things but really, in, in all actuality, the closest thing we have today to dinosaurs are types of birds, because these reptiles existed before and during the time of the dinosaurs. Crocodiles, for example, they predate the dinosaurs. Going back to the pre-Triassic era, there were already crocodiles, ancestors, uh, pre-crocodilian uh, blueprints, if you will, for today's current crocodile species. A lot of them so, were called archosaurs. Archosaurs. That's interesting. Archosaurs. I didn't know that. So when you think of dinosaurs, a lot of people still are in the old model of the reptile thing. And as a kid, I was in that era where, you know, it was just coming out that dinosaurs were more closely related to, you know, birds and warm-blooded animals. And that made me so mad because I loved reptiles. And I figured if dinosaurs were reptiles, that meant uh, my favorite animals were the coolest ones. But it's okay uh, if they're not reptiles. Cassowaries are still pretty cool. You ever seen a cassowary, Jesse? Yes, I have. Those things can kill you. They are vicious creatures. I would pet and hug most animals, but never a cassowary. Because think about it. One kick from a cassowary, you're dead. It's got a claw, right? Similar to a velociraptor claw, doesn't it, Jesse? Yeah, it would disembowel you. You'll be disemboweled. Your organs will be all over the floor. It'll be a big mess, and people will slip on the mess, and they'll hit their heads. It'll be a never-ending cycle of violence. In conclusion, don't mess with a cassowary, folks. It's just not worth it. Isn't that right, Jesse? Mm-hmm. And going back to a previous point, technically speaking, dinosaurs are still around if you count birds and right. crocodilians because the dinosaurs that we know and are popularized amongst culture is called the non-avian dinosaurs. And those are the ones that were all wiped out, the non-avian dinosaurs. The avian dinosaurs transitioned into birds and are still alive to this day. Correct. Now, do you remember uh, like dinosaurs, um, Jurassic Park? That was probably the first piece of dinosaur media I saw. Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 2. Jurassic Park 2 scared me as a kid. I watched it up until the point where they got onto the boat and saw the mangled corpses. And that freaked me out and scared me so I couldn't watch the rest. Years later, I did finish it. 
And in retrospect, that's a really dumb scene because why would a T a T Rex would eat everything? I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know. I'm not a T Rex expert. Do you remember what was the first dinosaur movie you watched? From what I could understand and remember, it was probably one of the Jurassic Parks. Speaking of Jurassic Parks, me and Jesse were actually seeing Jurassic World Dominion on Saturday. Isn't that right? I'm, Correct. I don't know how I feel. But I'm excited to see the original trio reunite. But at the same time, I'm not super excited for the film. I love the first Jurassic Park movie. Every film after that has been not good, in my opinion. The plot lines, I feel like, are strange and bizarre and kind of just not good. Jesse, you have a different opinion. Is that right? I mean, mine is sort of similar, too. I enjoyed The Lost World, personally. I didn't think it was good as the first Jurassic Park, but I thought it was a pretty good movie. Now, Jurassic Park 3, on the other hand, is kind of Alan. Alan. <laughs> that was a traumatic scene. I, that was a very scary scene for me when I was a little child. <laughs> really? Because just seeing Dr. Grant wake up and then a talking velociraptor go up to him and say, Alan was very... It no. was frightening. Yes. You. Jesse was used to be afraid of everything. The mailbox on Blue's Clues. It used to freak oh him out as a kid. It's mail time. And then Jesse would like cry. It was the funniest thing. And uh, but anyway, we're getting off topic. There was a, a British program we watched about dinosaurs that I really loved. Walking with Dinosaurs. That's That wasn't it, but we should talk about that. That was the British program. No, I'm thinking of a different British program. There's a little alligator puppet or a crocodile puppet. And there were a bunch of songs interluded throughout. Uh, dinosaurs, fun facts, and fantasy. Was that it? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that was it. There was a little alligator. Hold on, guys. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to play Jesse these clips so that way he has a better memory of what we're talking about. Stay tuned. All right, guys. We're back. I just took Jesse on a really long nostalgia trip. He took me on one, too. I'm realizing how much dinosaurs consumed my life as a child. Same. <laughs> because I showed Jesse the dinosaurs' fun fact and fantasy. It was like a light switch went off in his brain. Complete, And then he showed me an old dinosaur PC game I used to play. 3D Dinosaur Adventure. It, it, like these were, I had saw other kids would like play other things with the dinosaur games. There was one dinosaur game. You had to like rescue all the dinosaurs from the island. Yeah, that that was part of 3D Dinosaur Adventure. I knew Adventure. it. I knew it was. But anyway, we, it was we, called Save the Dinosaurs. They were like little eggs. That would, you would come back and they would hatch. It was so cool. No, Save the Dinosaurs was when you'd had to go back in time and save all the dinosaurs from the specific time period. Speaking of going back in time, prehistoric park. I was still with Nigel Marvin. Yes. We were, did you still have something to say about the other thing? Yeah, I was trying to explain the rest of Save the Dinosaurs from 3D Dinosaur okay, Adventure. Yeah, explain it. So, Save the Dinosaurs, you start out trying to save all the dinosaurs from the differing extinction events from the Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous periods. And another scary childhood moment for me was, if you ran out of time, you'd witness the meteor crashing into Earth. And I don't know if it was because of the noise it made, but it terrified me as a kid, so... That was why I always tried to save all the dinosaurs. Jesse has always had a good and compassionate heart, and he wants to save everything. Speaking of the dinosaur extinction, um, here's a fun fact. It's theorized now that it wasn't just the meteor, but that the meteor wiped out pretty much all life on one side of the Earth and then triggered a, a super volcano chain on the other side of the Earth that got rid of that. There's a book I read. I'm going to see if I can find that book really quick. Um, what was it called? It was something about the ends of the the ends of the world. That was it. It goes through multi, all the different mass extinctions. A lot of people don't know this, but there's separate periods. There was a Triassic extinction, a Cretaceous extinction. Was there a Jurassic extinction, Jesse? I'm not. If familiar. there was, it wasn't, it wasn't on the like grand scale, scale of the Permian oh, yeah. Triassic or the Cretaceous Paleogene. But here's something interesting, Jesse. 
there are more dinosaurs on the moon right now than there are people. Yes. Because the meteor explosion was so massive, it skyrocketed dinosaur bits to the moon. So paleontologists, future paleontologists, could very well be excavating dinosaurs from the moon. I think that's the coolest thing ever. Imagine they find something up on the moon that's a completely different genus to what we have on earth dude it's with how hard fossilization is like what one percent less than that so we probably have so many missing creatures we're probably missing so many cool creatures i mean recently too there were some other dinosaur species that have only been fully discovered in the past decade like for example the dinochirus for the longest time, the Dinochirus was only known for its big arms. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I think it was like, I forget what year it was. How but big was, were those arms? They're like three meters, right? Yeah, around the around yeah, that. Around, but which I is forget. nine feet for those of us in America. Yes. And I forget how recent it was, but I think I want to say in the 10-year ballpark that the full body or more parts of the body of the Dinochirus were found. So it was basically this big ornithom, ornithopod-like dinosaur. That's... Really interesting. You know, that brings another point. What we know now about dinosaurs has changed significantly from when we were children. Uh, I remember when we were children, uh, there was Taurosaurus. That's now been proven to just be a subspecies of Triceratops, basically, or a different form of Triceratops, not its own separate species. Uh, Nanotyrannus is just a juvenile T-Rex. And there was a third one. Oh, Pachycephalosaurus. Those are the ones with the dome heads. When I was a kid, and even in the Jurassic Park movies, you can see this in Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. A pachycephalosaurus rams into a car with its head, because when we were kids, it was thought, "Oh, that's obviously what they do. They fight for they fight for potential mates." But new analysis has discovered that any sort of severe impact would crush its skull. It clearly was not meant for that. They were more most likely they were used for like mating displays. They were probably different colors. There were probably things growing on them, so they probably didn't like headbutt each other at all with them. Probably the thing was you noticed too. Whenever you were talking about the pachycephalosaurids, like stigmaloc and prenocephaly and all those different ones, I noticed too, whenever the stigmaloc, it had the horns on its head, those eventually would go away when it became an adult. So that's why stigmaloc and all those are considered actually pachycephalosaurids instead of a different genus. Man, that is, this is so interesting. This just shows how things change. We learn more and more information. Our knowledge increases. Uh, We were talking about walking with dinosaurs. We had mentioned that. I thought that was amazing as a kid. The best dinosaur documentary of all time. And then walking with beasts, uh, walking with mammals. Was that what it was? No, it was walking with beasts. And then walking with, there was another one, Walking with monsters. That was was like pre-dinosaur things. Okay. And then that was adapted. And Ben Stiller actually narrated this, right? It was Ben Stiller and someone else that narrated it. The this. original British one had Kenneth Branagh, I think that's how Kenneth you say Brea? it. Kenneth I don't, I don't I know. The director of Thor 1, which is an interesting segue. Yeah, but in the American releases of those documentaries, Ben Stiller originally... Was that for the films or the TV show remake? For the what? Was that for the film or for the TV show remake? That was for the first TV show, the American version TV show. So but the, then, the American version, it turned the movie Walking with Dinosaurs into a TV show, right? Well, Walking with Dinosaurs was never a movie. It was always a six-part nature documentary from okay. the BBC. But then on America, I remember it was like a show, prehistoric. Yeah, I'm trying to get there. Okay. So in the first American version, it was just basically Ben Stiller re-narrating Walking with Dinosaurs. Then it got rebranded into a kid-friendly version called Prehistoric Planet which aired on Discovery Kids, but it was narrated by Christian Slater. 
Christian Slater. He played, I have the weirdest knowledge, he played Moses in like a direct-to-DVD Bible film. Like yeah, he did. Kids. he did. Remember that? I do. Oh, gosh. Our, our childhood was just Bible man and dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, um, let's not confuse the old prehistoric planet with the new spectacular prehistoric planet on Apple TV+. Plus. I still haven't seen it yet, but I hear it's very good. It is phenomenal. I was like screaming and fangirling so hard over the dinosaur that had the air sacs. The I was dread, like, oh my god, the there's air sacs. It has air sacs. What? Wow. But no, that was incredible. Oh man. Do you remember the Disney movie Dinosaur? Yes. That is probably my favorite Disney movie. That I love is it. such a good movie. And the message, the message of that movie, how together you can overcome insurmountable odds. I love that message. How it's same thing in Rise of the Planets of the Apes. Apes alone weak, apes together strong. All the iguanodons together were easily able to beat the Carnotaurus. And the ineffective leadership tried to keep them afraid of something that they could easily take on if they worked together. So, oh, it's such a good movie all around. Aladon is one of the best protagonists in a movie. I think that's his name. Aladon? I think so. Aladar, that's what it Al- is. There it is. I love that movie so much. What was... Uh, the me- croton like croton <laughs> i think that was his name too and then brutus right i think i'm not sure i, I, I love that and it's the really old brachiosaurus oh man let me tell you growing up my favorite dinosaurs were the raptors uh the utah raptors specifically yeah i, remember. I was telling uh, i was telling an older man that and he asked me if the utah raptors ate mormons and as a kid i had no idea what a mormon was <laughs> so he told me to research that i never did but uh <laughs> I can safely say that uh, the Utah Raptor never consumed a single Mormon. They are separated by millions of years. They never would have interacted unless there's some sort of magic spell that can resurrect a Utah Raptor. Um, or time to... travel. Mormons, I don't think, would time travel. I don't think there's many time-traveling Mormons. That could be a really good sci-fi novel. The time-traveling Mormons? Honestly. I mean, write it thin, Jesse. That's what we'll make money with. A series about a group of Mormons who travel through time and space. I feel like that would uh, not go over well, though. Probably not. Anyways, what is your favorite dinosaur? Oh, but, 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 but back to what I was saying. But now my favorite dinosaurs are all the sauropods, like a margosaurus. For those of you who don't know, that's a sauropod with spines all up and down the back of its neck. Uh, a sauropod, for instance, is a long neck dinosaur, like Littlefoot from The Land Before Time. We haven't even talked about The Land Before Time yet, Jesse. What are we doing? I don't know. We keep going into different segues. I love The Land Before Time. It's so good. Everything after one, the first one anyway, was not as good as the first You're one. You're right. That first movie, I'm in tears to this day when I watch it. There are so many parallels, so many messages uh, about racism, about working together to overcome a common uh, threat about family, about struggling to stay alive, about finding joy when everything seems lost. There's so many good messages in that movie. It's so good. Mm -hmm. And then the, I do love how the series gives you different types of sharp teeth. Like the first sharp tooth was just a Tyrannosaurus, but I think in one of the later series, there was a Spinosaurus sharp tooth. There was. They've they've been very, before I forget, Petrie, the whole character, his whole character arc in The Land Before Time is phenomenal. This whole time, he has the ability to fly. He just doesn't believe in himself. And the moment he believes in himself is when he unlocks the ability he had the whole time. And that is just so powerful. I'm just, I could be a motivational speaker just through the Land Before Time series. It's its incredible. It's a really good watch too. I really do need to go back and rewatch them because it's been a while. It, Same with Dinosaur. I wouldn't rewatch all of them. I'd probably just watch the Land Before Time 1 
uh, The Land Before Time 3 and The Land Before Time 6. 3 is the one where there's a big famine in the land. And six is the one this where they have the, the, the sauropod the scar face. Yeah, wasn't that his dad or something? No, it ended up not being his dad. Uh he became a father. His dad didn't show up until like I think it was episode ten. Another thing I loved about the Land Before Time movies is they had Roman numerals. I still to this day think Roman numerals are the coolest way to number anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. But Jesse, uh what what is your favorite dinosaur? Growing up, what was your favorite dinosaur and how has that changed? I've always was a big fan of the Tyrannosaurus Rex, mainly because of differing media like Jurassic Park and what you were talking about earlier, the Nigel Marvin shows, Chased by we Dinosaurs. We gotta get into that. We do gotta get into that. Well, I've, the name's not coming to me, but the show where he traveled back in time to rescue all the different dinosaurs. That was dinosaurs. Prehistoric Park. We had, there we go. We were talking about that earlier. Oh, there were so many good dinosaur programs we watched growing up. Chased by Dinosaurs... Uh, well, sea monsters where he goes back in time and observes differing sea monsters like the Megalodon, the Dunkleosteus. And I thought it was so cool how that worked. Dunkleosteus is incredible, but we're, we're, we're trying to, let's stick to just dinosaurs for this episode. All right. We'll talk about other creatures some other time, but the new, it's just, uh, what was, there was Jurassic Fight Club. Yes. That was such a good one. It was like a whole episode uh, breaking down and they would use actual fossil evidence to break down a scene. Like, oh, this dinosaur has bite marks on its leg. This dinosaur has ribs crushed from what appears to be a club impact. And there'd be a cool animated scene of the two dinosaurs fighting. It was so cool. And there was also some other documentaries called, what was it, Dinosaur Revolution, which was... I don't think I've seen that one. What's that about? Um, I do know that the first episode was just basically a mix of differing types of dinosaurs, but the second episode is probably one of the best episodes of dinosaur media I've ever seen. What, what's it about? It's called The Watering Hole, and it's about an allosaurus who... As an infant gets into a fight with an infant sauropod, I think the genus was a Decreosaurus or a Denerosaurus or something like that. Okay. But the baby sauropod whipped the Allosaurus's jaw as a baby, and his jaw was Ooh. broken. So I think his name was Broken Jaw. I rem- was that not from Planet Dinosaur? Nope, that was Dinosaur Revolution. There was a Planet Dinosaur is really good. It's like a yeah. four-part series. John right? Hurt narrates it, and it's very good. I do remember that John Hurt. Yes, there was like a, a desert episode. Focusing on a group of raptors. Yeah, Gigantoraptor was in one of them. Yes, we need to rewatch Planet Dinosaur. I still have it. Planet Dino- there was like a were there any sauropods in Planet Dinosaur? There were there were Argentinosaurs in yes, South America and they were struggling against different types of carnivorous dinosaurs that would eat the younglings. Like I think there was like a Rugopsid type dinosaur and then the giant Mapusaurs that okay. would actually hunt adults in groups. Now that's going back to that. Let's talk about island biogeography for a second. Obviously, as you know, being on an island will cause a creature to get either smaller or it will cause it to get bigger, right? So depending on... What what is that? Yeah, when you're talking about that, it's called insular gigantism or insular dwarfism. Another good dinosaur program that talks about that is Dinosaur Planet. Also narrated by Christian We were just talking about Dinosaur. I thought Dinosaur Planet was narrated by John Hurt. No, there's Planet Dinosaur that came out in 2011. So there's Planet Dinosaur and Dinosaur Planet. Yeah, Dinosaur Planet was narrated by Christian Slater. Okay, then what is Planet Dinosaur was by John Hurt? Yes. Okay, the dinosaur shows need to get more creative with their names. (laughs) Because there's two prehistoric planets. There's Dinosaur Planet and Planet Dinosaur. Oh, man. Then you got Dinosaur Revolution, When Dinosaurs Roamed America. Jurassic Fight Club is probably the best name. Yes. For one of them. Uh, but it's, by the way, if you haven't watched Prehistoric Planet, go watch it. It's so good. I need to. And the way they, they like have Tyrannosaurus Rex, Tyrannosaurus Sex, 
uh, the two Tyrannosaurus have sex with each other. And it's interesting. Oh, yeah, that was a documentary. Well, that was in part of it, yeah. Oh, there was an... Was there a separate one? No, there was a full documentary, though. I remember it on National Geographic, just called Tyrannosaurus Sex. and about And it talked about how they envisioned the Tyrannosaurs and other dinosaurs and how they made it and how they survived and made a family. That's so interesting because now, previously, it was thought that dinosaurs didn't care for their young at all and just like left them alone. But now, a lot of new evidence is showing that dinosaurs had pretty intimate relationships with their children. No, I'm just, I'm just. Saying. I know what you're saying, but I think it's very interesting how the more further removed from something we get, the more white, like Jurassic Park. Like now, it's very obvious that nothing in that movie is accurate about the dinosaurs, except maybe the T-Rex and its bite force, which, by the way, strongest bite force of any animal known to have ever existed. That's beats a megalodon, beats uh, Spinosaurus. A T-Rex's jaw could like probably smash. It would like just it would destroy you. There's no contest. And what's funny about Jurassic Park is technically they aren't dinosaurs in Jurassic That's Park. That's true. They're frog hybrid things. So technically speaking, all the dinosaurs are hybrids. That's true. So maybe that's why they look more reptilian. Or maybe that's just even before this was retcon. This was something they said in the first Jurassic Park movie. How they used other animals' DNA to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there was something else I wanted to talk about. I'm trying to think. What I'm pretty sure there was some we were talking. We were we were talking about Dinosaur Planet. I think. Yeah, Dinosaur Planet. Remember, Dinosaur Planet is the one narrated by Christian Slater. There's so many, man. White tip. The white tip. Yes. Yes. Pyro. The Pyroraptor, which is why we were talking about insular gigantism. Yes. Okay, that's what we're talking about. So, for those of you who don't know, Jesse's going to explain what insular gigantism is and insular uh, dwarfism is. So, basically, whenever a species is confounded to an island that's different from the mainland, Mm -hmm. the species will change in size and diet depending on the environment. So basically, there was one island. It's not in the documentary, but I've studied about it. It's called Hateg Island. Where is this uh, Hateg Island located? Do you know? It's not currently here now, but I believe back in the Cretaceous era, it would be around Romania, Hungary area. Because back then, it was more sea and islands back then. Okay, because, you know, continental drift, climate change, overarching structural change, the continents, continental drift. That makes sense. Okay, so what was going on here? All right, so basically in Hateg Island, it was one of the prime examples showcasing prehistoric creatures in insular gigantism and dwarfism. Some common examples of this were dwarf sauropods. I think the genus was called Mergirosaurus or something like that. Mm-hmm. And probably one of the best examples and one of my favorite prehistoric creatures were the giant Asdarkids. Like what are Asdarkids? Asdarkids are a type of tyrannid. Well, not pteranodon. They're a type of pterosaur. But the thing about there is they can walk on the ground with their wings oh, and cool. are as tall as a giraffe when on the ground. That's really cool. And they have like 40 plus foot wingspans. But the species at Hateg Island was called the Hedzegopteryx. And it would feed on these dwarf sauropods. Oh, that is so cool. That's similar to how the Hayes eagle in Australia would feed on the uh, giant moa birds. Yes. <clears throat> That is so interesting, Jesse. So some examples I can think of of uh, dwarfism, insular dwarfism, and insular gigantism on Madagascar. Uh, there's actually nothing on Madagascar that fits. The giant tortoises, the Galapagos, that's an example of insular gigantism. Uh, pygmy hippos. Uh, where are pygmy hippos from, Jesse? 
There are, I think there's one in Madagascar, I think. Are they from Madagascar? I don't know. I'll I do some think. research on that. But it's, what's really interesting here is typically reptiles will get bigger. Mammals will get smaller. Birds will get smaller. Well, birds sometimes will get bigger because the haste eagle, there were, t- there were tales of the aborigines getting carried off by haste eagles, you know? Because they were almost as big as a human. They were huge. Man. But anyway, dinosaurs... A lot of kids growing up played Pokemon. We played Dinosaur King and Fossil Fighters. Yes. Fossil Fighters was just like Pokemon, basically. Only instead of Pokemon, there were dinosaurs, and you wouldn't catch them. You would dig up their fossils, and you would revive them. They were called Vivasaurs, and you would fight them against each other. It was so fun. My, and I, I remember for first Fossil Fighters, I had every single Vivasaur that you could possibly get into the game maxed out to the highest level which took forever because once you get every base Vivasaur maxed out, you unlock the six dumbest things ever. This, the dumb chicken. Things. Oh yes. The chickens. And they all started off super weak. So I had one of my legendary Vivasaurs up front. I would constantly keep fighting one of the bosses over and over again to get XP. And you would get, I think 10 XP every mm-hmm. time you would fight him. And it would take more and more XP to get things leveled up. It took forever. My first Vivasaur was uh, Spinax. Do you remember your first Vivasaur? Well, I think that's everyone's first Vivasaur because it's the first Vivasaur. That's true, that's true. It's only in Fossil Fighters Champions that you get to choose. Yeah, it's it's between Aristean, Dimetrodon, and two others I forget. I choose Aristean. Which one did you choose? I chose Aristean. That's the coolest one. And then the, the they even have mega evolutions, but they're called like super evolved. Yes, super, super evolved. Super evolved Vivasaurs. That's really cool. It's similar to uh to Ben Ten's Ultimate Alien thing, I think. Mm. But anyway, I do know in Fossil Fighters Champions, what I found weird was that Oviraptor and Tyrannosaurus shared the same super evolution. It was just a different Yeah, texture. that was really lazy of them. Uh, they, they gave some things the same super evolution, just with different colors, which was really lazy. They really could have done better with that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So we've had, there's been so much dinosaur experience in the media, and we haven't talked about... Uh, oh, dinosaur King was an example of dinosaurs in, in shows. Uh, that was similar to an anime. I probably, think it was an anime. It, it probably was. And there was a game based off that too. Pretty similar to Fossil Fighters, right? Mm-hmm. That game was tricky. I remember Fossil Fighters, I was stuck in one point because I couldn't figure out what to do. And what I had to do was just dig between uh, two sets of bones. But I didn't know that. So I didn't know what to do. And I've, I had to buy the game guide in order to uh, to progress because I had no idea what to do. Or I, I couldn't buy the game guide. I had to convince someone to buy it for me because I was a child this time. But... Oh, man. Remember when games used to be difficult? <laughs> or they probably weren't difficult. That was probably just a little slower. But Fossil Fighters was such a fun game. If you ever get the chance to play it, it's really fun. It's a little... It probably won't be as fun if you're an adult, but if you're a kid, go for it. It might be really fun still. Now, we never got to play the third entry in Fossil Fighters called Fossil Fighters Frontier. That one looks dumb. It does. And you also drive in a car in it, too. We shouldn't be able to drive. Dinosaurs couldn't drive. Why do we? <laughs> anyway... Uh, what other dinosaur dinosaur video games? There's something you wanted to mention. Yes, the we talked about this a little bit earlier, but probably the first dinosaur game that I ever played was 3D Dinosaur Adventure. And like I said earlier, it's just the memories coming back with all the little cutscenes from like retro documentaries from like the 80s and 90s would play. And the 3D models were pretty intricate for their time. But compared to today's video games, it is very, very outdated. Uh, speaking of, uh, of video games, uh, Jurassic the Hunted. Yes. But the first one, I could, that I, that was tough for me because I could never 
get to the point. I've always struggled with that one. But um, I don't want to get. I want to mention a game Jesse's very a very big fan of called Carnivores. But before I do that, do you remember Zoo Tycoon? Yes. Zoo Tycoon was so fun. It's basically like you would build your own zoo with your own animals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and you get mods. I remember a magazine came out, and on the back of the magazine they advertised extinct animals. I showed you. Remember this magazine? I it was do. Like, they were like using a hair dryer to a hair dryer to dry out a woolly mammoth, <laughs> and it said "coming soon." I was so excited. I played that game so much. And there was, was no so woolly fun. mammoth in there. It was a mastodon. Wow, Jesse, you're right. Mastod- mastodons don't have as much hair, do they? I don't think so. They're shorter. Yeah, mastodons too. are different from woolly mammoths. Fun fact uh, for those of you history people, the last woolly mammoths died around the same time the Great Pyramids were being constructed in northern Egypt, and they died of incest. Basically, there are a few woolly mammoths that escaped human predation on Wrangell Island in the north uh, eastern quadrant near Canada, one of those islands, Wrangell Island, and they survived on this island, a herd of mammoths, and they kept inbreeding over and over again until eventually they were genetically unable to reproduce and they all died out. Very sad end to the mammoth. It's a shame. Human. We're not going to talk about how humans killed all the great beasts. We're going to talk about dinosaurs, and Jesse is going to tell us about his favorite dinosaur game, Carnivores. All right, so basically Carnivores is a series of hunting video games developed by the Ukrainian game company Action Forms, and the first title, simply called Carnivores, was released on November 30th, 1998. Basically, the whole premise of Carnivores is that it technically takes place in the future, and the, some more backstory is that a unknown planet was discovered, and the specimens there would resemble dinosaurs from old paleo art from like the 1800s and early 1900s some artists that come to mind are zdenyek burian charles knight henrich harder and some other contemporaries of that time i would like to interrupt briefly to say that jesse has no notes and did no research all of that came from his brain that is how passionate he is about dinosaurs because when he started listing off those artists i had no idea what he was talking about (laughs) i would love to see some of their art and critique it uh was this the guy's Old dinosaur art is just really weird. Paleo art is very interesting. There was some where it was like a diplodocus, but it had like duck feet, and it was like walking with its belly on the ground. Oh, man. I remember uh, I saw some old artwork where it was theorized the reason why Brachiosaurids had such long necks is so they could walk on the bottoms of the water and then breathe through little holes in their, in their breathe, you know, with their necks to get out of the water. That's obviously not true. Brachiosaurus was not an aquatic creature, but how cool would that be, man? It'd be so cool. Uh, anyway, back to carnivores. Okay, so basically that was the whole just a company finds an alien planet and decides to start a hunting tour on there. So that was pretty much the premise of the first game. And then next year in 1999, the sequel came out, which basically added bigger maps and more dinosaurs to hunt. Then there's a third game called Carnivore's Ice Age, which took you up to the north of the planet, and you got to hunt Cenozoic animals. And also, there was a bonus animal that you unlocked at 1,000 points, and the bonus animal was the Yeti. And the fun thing about this Yeti is it has, like, three toes instead of the traditional ape feet, because it's theorized by some fans of the series that the Yeti was actually evolved from some of the more saurian inhabitants of the planet. But I digress. Anyway, the fourth game of the series was called Cityscape, which was basically the corporation decides to take some dinosaurs that weren't in any of the previous games and do a traveling zoo. But sadly, one of these ships crash landed on an Earth colony and the dinosaurs broke out and started taking over the colony. 
And the fun fact about this game was you could either play as agents hired by the company to take out the dinosaurs or play as the dinosaurs themselves and succeed in taking over the city. So uh, that's for, that sounds pretty interesting. Now, you're actually part of a mod team uh, working on mods for one of these old carnivores games. Is that right? Yes. Now, my job in the games... Now, before I do want to talk about some more of the games, because... Okay, talk some more about the games, and then we'll get into the modding. Yeah, because there was like a nine-year break in between Cityscape and the mobile port of the original trilogy, which was one of the first games we also played on our old iPods. We do. We played that. I had an iPod Touch... And Jesse had an iPod Touch, and we played the games on that. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. And I remember, the, the, as a kid, I thought this was so cool. If you shot the dinosaur, you could follow its blood trail and track it. It was so fun to do that. It yeah, was, that's from the PC version, anyway. I, I just thought that was really cool. Um, <clears throat> and there's also some more modern-day reboots that came out. But on... anyway, Jesse, let's, let's, let's wrap things up. Let's talk about your modding. Oh, yeah, yeah. So basically, what I do for some mod projects is rigging. Rigging is basically adding a skeleton to a existing model that can't move on its own. So what you do with rigging is you create things called bones, which are basically little circles. You move the circle inside the model, and then you assign its vertices. Now, here's this. Every model is made up of vertices, and they're all triangular shaped. And then you assign each vertice to the bone, and when you make the bone the owner of those vertices, you can move those vertices. I gotta be honest, Jesse. I have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds pretty complicated, and it sounds like you're having a good time doing it. Yeah. But, man, so basically for this episode, we talk, we mostly talked about dinosaurs in the media. Perhaps for a future episode, we can go into, like, details of various different types of dinosaurs, dinosaur behavior. But I, I had a good time with this. This was fun. I did, too. This was very fun. All right. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? Now, I would like to eventually go back and talk about other types of species like Ice Age megafauna. Oh, yeah. We'll do an episode on the Cenozoic era. We'll do an episode on the Cambrian explosion for sure. The Paleozoic era is so good. I could talk for hours about early species of hominid. Uh, I could talk about Homo floresiensis. I could talk about... Oh, yeah. The dwarves. The dwarves. Yeah. Oh, it's so... Tangent, but there was... You remember those fake mockumentaries on Animal Planet, like mermaids? Oh, yeah, those dumb things that that tried to pass themselves off as real documentaries. There was one fake documentary where an expedition crew got sent to Flores, and and some of them were killed by the dwarves. (laughs) That's so stupid. Oh, my God, so stupid. Anyway, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our dinosaur ramblings. Uh, Please stay thanks, tuned for part two. Special thanks again for Jesse for coming on his first episode and really, really livening this up with some invigorating uh, discussions. All right, everyone. See you next episode. You have a good day, good night, a good whatever it is. Bye.